As I was putting that soundtrack together, um, it struck me that there's all kinds of sounds of all kinds of different people who are, in general, doing some pretty awful things. There's Peter, of course, who was Jesus' friend, one of his best friends, but ended up denying him. The normal citizens around that fire who accused Peter of being with Jesus as as if that in and of itself was a crime. Of course, the false witnesses in front of Caiaphas. Then there's Caiaphas, the high priest, and the Pharisees and the scribes, the religious leaders, the theologians, the ministers, all perpetrating evil. And of course, there's Pilate, the symbol of empire, trying to wash his hands, as you remember from the story in another gospel, but not really able to, perpetrating his evil. Then there's the soldiers laughing and mocking. Your Highness, get up and go. It's time. The crowd, you remember, that was standing around the cross, the Gospels tell us, laughing and mocking and reviling him. Not to mention one of the thieves on the cross hanging there right next to him. Mocked him. And then this sign on the cross, sarcasm, irony. He says he's the king of the Jews. Look at him. This huge tsunami of evil. The evil of all history. That just swept over Jesus in this Thursday night, early Friday morning, and on to noon and into three o'clock on Friday afternoon. You name it, it's represented in this story in terms of evil. Fleming Rutledge, who wrote just one of the most magnificent books on the crucifixion of Jesus, I highly recommend it if you have the interest in time said this, um, this story, this story taken together with the horror of the crucifixion leads us to the conclusion that the hideous God-forsakenness of Christ's public execution corresponds to the soul-destroying nature of sin at at its utmost reach. The horror of what happened at that crucifixion corresponds to the soul-destroying nature of sin at its utmost reach. These two come together. The horror of crucifixion, the worst death that anyone could probably ever undergo. But it had to be because of the type of evil and the extent of evil that was crashing down upon Jesus on that day. I had some trouble um, putting together the songs for tonight. There were two reasons for that. One of them you will know from me. These songs are all about me. They're very I. 
It's me and Jesus. It's me and my sin. It's that Jesus is saving me, which is a very true thing. But it's only part of the story. The story, of course, is about us. Leave that aside. The other striking thing in these hymns, and maybe you noticed it, maybe you even uh, thought, I'm not sure if I can sing that, is the language that's used to talk about sinners, to talk about like us. Ruined sinners to reclaim. Guilty, vile, and helpless we. Would he devote that sacred head for sinners such as I? Was it for crimes that I have done? He groaned upon the tree. I pour contempt on all my pride. We'll be singing that in a few minutes. And in a few minutes, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I'm not sure if you really mean that. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. Kind of including ourselves in the soundtrack. Fleming Rutledge in the same book tells this story. People magazine once undertook a part serious, part tongue-in-cheek survey of its readers on the subject of sin. The results were published as a syndex, with each sin rated by a sin coefficient. The outcomes, writes Rutledge, were both amusing and instructive. Murder, rape, incest, child abuse, and spying against one's country were rated the worst sins in ascending order. With smoking, swearing, masturbation, and illegal videotaping, remember this was in the 80s, far down the list. Parking in a handicapped spot was surprisingly high, whereas unmarried live-togethers got off quite lightly. Cutting in front of someone in line was deemed worse than divorce or capital punishment. And predictably, corporate sin was not mentioned although it is at the top of the Hebrew prophet's list. How do we look at sin? And Rutledge also makes the case that sin appears in the scriptures, and I agree with her wholeheartedly, in in two forms. There's the sin of the individual, the things that I do or fail to do in my day-to-day relationships, the individual avoidable acts or failures to act like lying, stealing, lusting, not honoring family, hating, murdering, coveting, or perhaps not loving enough, not caring for enough, not listening to, not acknowledging, not actually helping the other, but walking the other way when someone needs help. Those are all things that we as individuals do. But there's also this sin with a capital S. And you notice often in the New Testament, sin is is given in, in its singular form. And that's what this is what it's referring to. This kind of dominion of sin, this power of sin, this sin that overtakes us. Like it overtook that crowd. Those individuals could hardly do anything. It, this was just a tsunami that swept them along in the mockery. 
And Peter was swept along in the evil of the moment, as was Pilate and Caiaphas. Everybody swept along in the moment. And in our modern day, we who are part of what Eisenhower once called famously the military-industrial complex, or these sins with a capital S, the sin of racism, or of sexism. Scott McFarlane is a reporter. I'm not sure if it's CBS or NBC. It's one of those two. And for the last year and a half, he's been covering quite in, in quite detail all the trials of those who have been tried for the insurrection at the Capitol on January 6, 2021. And what comes out in every trial both as defense from those who are accused, but also as a plea to the judge to reduce, keep the sentence as low as possible, the, 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 the accused or convicted always say something like this, I was caught up in the moment. It's a refrain through almost every trial. I follow him on Twitter, so I read him just about every day. So we're caught up in the moment. So as we step back and think about Jesus on that cross, surrounded by people who denied and mocked and reviled and murdered him, we remember that he willingly took all of that evil on his shoulders. We can literally read about it in the Bible. And we've just kind of heard the soundtrack. And we can look at our own lives today and see our individual acts, our individual sin, or our failures to act. Or we can see this sin with a capital S that sweeps us along. I was just caught up in it. I, I really couldn't do anything else. The moment just, or the, or the culture just took me along. And whether it's your and my individual acts or our participation in a system of exploitation and death, we too stand at the foot of that cross. And we too are part of that soundtrack. So as, so as in just a moment we come and we partake of the, the bread and the cup, And it's not a very popular message in our time, but I would like you to kind of do so with a heavy weight. We participate in this tsunami of evil. We are participants, sometimes actively, sometimes we're just caught up. We're aware of our sin with a small s, and we're aware of our sin with a capital S. We're aware that our sin is so bad that it needed a day like this in order for there to be any hope. And as we come, we're aware that through his death, Jesus offers life. So I would like you to come with a little bit of a heavy heart 
not slain and not thinking you're a worm or of no value or anything like that. That's not what this is about. But it is recognizing I and we are part of this soundtrack. But Jesus came and he did this and he suffered so that we, I, and we could be freed from the power of this soundtrack. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die because this sin will kill us. That's what sin does. What did this tsunami of evil do to Jesus? It killed him dead. And if he's not standing in your way, it will kill you dead too. But fortunately, he's the living bread that's come down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he'll live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. So I invite you to come tonight. If you feel this heavy heart, I'm a part of this soundtrack. And I, by coming, I confess that. I recognize that. I don't run away from it. But I come because here is life. And if I don't come here, this tsunami will kill me and it will kill us. So I invite you to come with a broken heart, but with a faithful, a believing, and a hopeful heart. Because Jesus died on that cross on that day 2,000 years ago.